We are facing a mental health crisis, and it's more important than ever to have access to the support we need. That's why I'm grateful for BetterHelp, the largest online counseling platform in the world. BetterHelp is changing the way people get help with life challenges by providing convenient, discreet, and affordable access to licensed therapists. With BetterHelp, professional counseling is available anytime, anywhere, from your smartphone, computer, or tablet. If you're looking for support, sign up today at BetterHelp.com. Use the promo code SOLVINGHEALTHCARE to get 10% off sign-up fees. That's BetterHelp.com, promo code SOLVINGHEALTHCARE. COVID has affected us all, and with all the negativity surrounding it, it's often hard to find the positive. One of the blessings it has given us is the opportunity to build an avenue for creating change, starting right here in our community. Discussing topics that affect us most, such as racism in healthcare, maintaining a positive mindset, creating change, the importance of advocacy, and the many lessons we have all learned from COVID. If you or your organization are interested in speaking engagements, send a message to quadcast99 at gmail.com, reach out on Facebook at Quadcast, or online at drquadjo.ca. Welcome to Solving Healthcare. I'm Quadjo Karamante. I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients, and their families because inefficiencies, overwork, and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost-effective, dignified, and just for everyone involved. Quadcast Nation, we got a special episode here, folks. I am absolutely pleased to be bringing on to the show Gianna Kaliza because her knowledge, her expertise in terms of how we could be educating our kids is profound. And you heard in the intro, we ran into each other at a boxing gym, which props to the shout out to the rig. <laughs> Love that place. And we started talking about what she did for a living. And she, I guess she caught on to some of our messages during the pandemic, but she blew me away in terms of talking about our approach to kids, what we, we are lacking and where we need to go. So Gianna, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. So maybe give us a little sense of your background, what what you your life was like in England as 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 I forget the term, but principal or did you call it head teacher or headmaster? <laughs> yeah, that's what they call it over there, head teacher. But it's head a principal. <laughs> yeah, principal. So what was your experience like, and how how did how did you land in in the UK? <laughs> I went there to party for New Year's Eve, and then I fell in love with the city. Um, a little more than that. I did. I saw that they had special needs schools and a lot of them, which were individual and separated from the mainstream schools, which took a big interest to me because there's not a lot of that um, here in Ottawa. We only have two special needs schools, I believe, that are publicly funded. Um, so I really wanted to see this whole idea of separating them because of the way I was taught in Canada was very much integration, integration, integration. It was the answer to everything. So it kind of scratched my head on this different concept, went and visited some schools and ended up getting offered a job. So stayed and then uh, learned a lot about a different approach to education. 
Wow. Wow. You don't hear about too many people teachers that were in England and and in the UK. So I, I, I'm really excited to hear about your perspective. So as you mentioned, when we were at the gym, you, you noticed a clear difference in, in terms of approaches when it came to your experience, especially with kids with special needs and so on. But what were some of the key differences that you you appreciated? Well, I think, I mean, the underpinning part of all of it um, was the funding, unfortunately, is there was a lot more government funding for the special needs schools. Um, the amount that I would be getting per child was significantly higher than you'd be getting here. So we were able to be much better resourced. Um, there's a lot more support within the school with a multi-professional team. So we were able to target every area of the kids. So we had our own occupational therapists, speech and language therapists, educational psychologists, um, right down to having actual specialist doctors and dentists come into the school and see a lot of our kids who couldn't access the the public and, um, systems and ways of doing things. So that, that, was a, that was a big, big part was the environment was really set up for the kids and hugely supportive for the families. Whereas here, I find that we're really lacking in that area, um, hugely so. And you would I mean, hearing that, you would think this is something we could or should be offering in Canada. But what would you, how would that translate? Like, what would what would that look like in terms of the experience for the kids, especially when you compare the the, the, the kids in the UK versus uh, the, what you've seen here in Canada? I think of the uh, simplest way to put it is they were flourishing and meeting their actual full potential. So kids with needs that seem to be kind of drowning here, not really given the opportunities to show their full potential. I was really pleased to see there that we could tap into those, um, to their strengths and not just be focusing on what they're struggling on, but really look at what they're good at. And we could do that by, we had a very, very, very particular curriculum. Um, the curriculum was made specifically for the kids. It was a lot of work for the teachers, um, but at the same time, it we we fit the kids into school rather than the kids having to fit into school. If that makes sense, so totally makes sense. The school system and having like everybody's brains together. So you have the OT looking at the sensory aspect and speech and language therapists looking at their communication. You have the teachers looking at the curriculum. You have the educational psychologist. There's anything above and beyond that. So you just had such an incredible, passionate team of people that would implement things into their day-to-day lives that allowed their anxiety to come down. Their mental health was significantly better. Um, I mean, we can touch on that more later, but they were significantly less medicated, um, a lot more time outdoors, a lot less screen time. Um, there was a lot of those in, environmental and even nutritionists. Like we had nutritionists come into the school and speak to parents because there's a huge link between nutrition and ADHD and anxiety disorders and things like that. So we just there just seemed to be so much more support and parents didn't have to go out looking for pulling their kids out of school, running here, running there. It all came to one place and we all got to sit together and build a plan for each child. That sounds beautiful. Really, it does, Gianna. And I'm curious to hear, like you touched on it a little bit, but maybe just to clarify, what were some of the conditions you were seeing in the kids that needed that special attention? My I, my um, area of expertise is autism. I've been working with kids with autism since I was 14, so uh, 35 years now. Is that right? Sorry, 25 years now? I'm aging myself. Um, 
and ADHD. And now I've worked in through the pandemic into generalized anxiety disorders as well. Yeah, because one thing that caught my ear when we were chatting was the idea that like we see a lot like uh, in our circles, a lot of kids on the spectrum, a lot of kids with a diagnosis of ADHD. We know anxiety disorders and mental health disorders are, are on the rise, unfortunately. Did you notice any difference in terms of the frequency or diagnoses of any of the above while overseas? Yeah, I mean, when I was in the UK, the stats back then, so I moved back about three years ago, and I was there for over 10 years before that. So let's say around 2016, kind of go in the middle, the rates for autism, there were one in 100. And at that point here, they were one in 68. So there was a, a, a bit of a difference in that regard. And then ADHD, definitely. I find here now working with that group of kids, so many kids have ADHD. I did not see such a high prevalence of that in the UK. And then beyond that, I was fortunate enough to be asked to go and look at best practice across Europe. And when you go to countries like Finland and Sweden, and um, well, they were the two top ones. Obviously, people know that about their educational system, but their prevalence of autism and ADHD were so much lower. Um, so it, it's interesting to see that you can look at different parts of the world and that the diagnosis rates are really different. And just, and I know I'm putting you on the spot, it's a tough question, but what do you attribute that to? Because on paper, technically we should have the similar rates of autism, similar rates of ADHD, mental health disorders. What do you think has been a major contributor to seeing those differences? Because I don't, humbly, I don't think it's going to be awareness at this stage like finland is not going to be more or less aware yeah. of being able to diagnose kids with autism or adhd so what do you what comes to mind for you in terms of why we see those differences it is such a big question um but i will say it's especially with mental health and adhd specifically um, a lot of it is environmental it is lifestyle there are many different contributing factors uh, to the difference in North American lifestyle and European lifestyle. Um, food being one of the main ones, the laws are completely different. When I was in the UK, you could pick up the cheapest can of whatever at the corner store and every ingredient you read, you knew exactly what it was. So in preservative, they really use is like citric acid. Um, here you pick up a can of food and there are 15 things on there that we have no idea what they are. Um, and they've even done a lot of comparisons between the US and Canada and the UK, looking at things like Quaker Oats. And in the UK, they have four ingredients. It's the same box, same everything. In the UK, they have four ingredients. Here they have like 17 ingredients because we have so many fillers and preservatives and chemicals and synthetic stuff that we're feeding to the kids. So I think food is, is, is a big part of it. Um, then it's also looks at screen time, which I know is, 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 is a whole other podcast. Um, but the amount of time that kids are spending on screens, the effect that that has with blue light, continuously changing videos and really overstimulating the brain. Um, and then amount of time outdoors, lack of vitamin D, lack of exercise, uh, stress relief, and then with that is the sense of community. So when you're outdoors and you're socializing a lot more and you're learning 
to empathize. You're learning to problem solve. You're learning how to figure things out with friends at the park. You're, there's that huge community aspect where a lot of kids that I'm working with, with big struggles in mental health are very isolated. Their form of socialization is being online and playing video games against someone. And that's literally the extent of it. They leave school and they're right into their rooms and right on the screen. So they go to bed and start up the next day on the weekends. It's the same thing. So they're lacking these very fundamental root parts of being a child. Um, and I'm not even going to get into the whole social media aspect of things, but all of this stuff is, is so big here. Not to say it doesn't exist in the UK, but it has that European um, side to where people are a lot more social. They are outdoors a lot more. They have outdoor education. They have forest programs. They have options for kids with ADHD who are expected to sit at a desk and stare at a teacher talking for two hours. There's the option to go outside and learn, use your hands. Um, I mean, there's so much I feel like I could go on for a while, but I would say a big, big part of it is looking at diet, exercise, community are three really big aspects of what we're failing our kids at in this country, in my humble opinion. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And we're going to get into each each one of these things in terms of breaking it down. But I, I, I was curious to hear before jumping into these each aspects specifically, modifying them. Like, have you seen a difference when say for the kids, we, you decide to get them moving more, get, uh, adjust their nutrition, get them a more sense of community. Do you see a difference in the, in their outlook behavior? What, what have you? I'll I'll give you an example. One of the schools that I was a head teacher of, as a head teacher of two in the UK, I had kids as an elementary school. So we were kindergarten to grade six and I had kids from grade, actually, actually even in kindergarten, kindergarten right through grade six, who were permanently expelled from schools, suspended. They were allowed to go to school for two to three hours a day, nothing beyond that because their behavior was so challenging. So they were per, like they were expelling seven-year-olds from school because of their behavior, which to me, I just thought like, oh, they were suspending five-year-olds for behavior. Um, when they were brought into my school where we had this extra resourcing and we had the environmental changes, I'm telling within three months, they were opening the door for people. Please. Thank you. Their grades shot up. Like our rates of success were unbelievable to see. And the kids were just so much happier. And I always had, so when I was a principal, my line was always mental health first, education second. People would say, but you're a principal. You, you have to be all about academics. And I would respond, but happy kids learn. Stress out kids don't. So you can sit there and force them. It's not, it's not processing. It's not sticking if they're in a heightened state of anxiety. So a big part is happy kids learn. You got to look at the whole picture of them being calm and actually able to process what you're teaching them to see what their full potential is. So absolutely, I've seen a huge difference once you implement these things without question. This is this is why I wanted to have you on the show <laughs> because you're a ray of sunshine and hope for a lot of parents that are struggling. I, I, one of our good friends is a child psychologist. We just got out of this pandemic and we're paying the, the price for some of the, our approaches to our kids. And I know this is front of mind. This is front of mind for me. Like I, I got three, three kids that I, I, I want to thrive. I want them to excel in any environment. And 
I have this voice constantly in the, in the in the back of my head that we collectively need to be doing more. I see the way the kids are behaving. I see the environment they're in. I see the how further back they are because of school closures, just from even the the community aspect of things, connections with other kids. And I there's a nagging voice behind my head that we need to be doing more. And knowing that our behavior or how we how we treat our kids, what we offer to our kids can improve their overall outlook to me is, is, is gold. So I, I think, I think one of the the components you talked about was nutrition. And we talked about how much more additives and process for lack of a better word, junk is in the, the North American uh, food. Is there any other kind of um, like what modifications can people make in your humble opinion to mitigate some of that, the risk of having uh, like, or what, what foods can we be offering to, to, to improve behavior and improve their, how they, our kids feel? Really just anything that's, that's not out of a package. <laughs> I don't, I, it, it's not that complicated. People tend to overcomplicate it. Um, you know, it's fruit, vegetables, meat, fish, you organic, if you can afford it, you know, I know it's expensive now, the price of groceries are through the roof, but not everything has to be the top, top. And you can be like, yep, you want to be the super clean, really look into it type family, or you can be in the middle ground, but it's getting away from the pre-pack, anything that is pre-made, if it has an ingredient on it, you don't know what it is. Food dyes, food dyes have been linked to ADHD time and time again. Um, Looking at, I know a lot of kids who are on these medications seem to skip breakfast because they feel nauseous. They take their their medicine in the morning, then they don't feel like eating. And skipping that breakfast, what we've noticed is is having a knock on effect of um, higher bouts of anxiety and stress. And because they are hungry, they just don't feel hungry, so their body's not getting what they need. So they're having drops in blood sugar and in different areas, which as we know, can cause irritation and can cause lack of ability to concentrate, like all of these things. Um, so something as simple as old school saying, a breakfast is the most important part of the day for kids. It absolutely is because they need, they burn off so much. And if you're on the spectrum of ADHD, your brain's working and processing that much more. You, you need that fuel. Um, and I try to get parents to get some sort of protein in, in the morning, try to avoid the sugary cereals and things that are just going to continue to make their blood sugar levels spike. And for a lot, the trick that I try to tell parents for kids that really just don't want to eat in the morning or only like their sweet foods and things is smoothies. I think smoothies are the best thing because you can literally throw anything in there. You can mask it up with some, you know, throw some bananas or a little maple syrup in there, something to sweeten it up and just to get them to, to have that in, in the morning. But really, it is just sticking to your real foods. Like that, that, that's, that's it. No, no big I, trick. No, I wish I had something more exciting no, to tell I, you, but I mean, that's it. I teed up that question knowing the answer, but I just wanted the, the, our listeners to be reinforced. Like, absolutely. Like, I, I think starting the day to like protein, 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 in my opinion, because it, at least in the adult world, I haven't really looked at this in the kid and kids, but when you add protein to say, even if it's a carbohydrate rich meal, like say if you had uh, just plain pasta versus you added a ton of protein, whether it's lentils or, or beef 
whatever, chicken, whatever, you'll get less of a insulin uh, response. Your blood sugar response will be dampened as a result of that protein. So I'm a big fan of making sure the kids get protein with each meal, trying to avoid the empty carbs. But the, the processed stuff, absolutely. If it's not in a box, it's not in a package, that's a, that's a win. And I like, let's be honest, it's not in 2023, in my opinion, it's not possible for them to have z- zero access to this stuff, but it's, it's more of a question as it not going at, go, not going to these things as a go-to, not going to, uh, to them, uh, uh, as frequently as possible. And, um, th- that remind me too, and uh, I might get a little bit of heat for this, but I'm okay with how many, how much allergies did you see like peanut allergies or, uh, like EpiPens amongst your, the kids out there? Like, are you seeing the same rates of, of allergies and, and so forth? No, in, in the main part of Europe, um, no, like the Finland, Sweden, Austria, Slovenia, Belgium, like those countries, no. The UK still has a little bit of that, probably not near as bad. I mean, nothing's as bad as North America. Um, <laughs> sorry to be blunt about it, but, you know, I think it's, it's a lot worse here. Um, but yeah, I didn't deal as much with allergies, which is, this is an interesting question. I didn't have tons of allergies in my schools. So they're probably too focused on everything else that I had going on. <laughs> that <laughs> all these intolerances and allergies didn't come up as much. No, I, I guess the reason I was asking because with the with the less processed foods, I do wonder if you would see less allergies. Like the you know you you hear about even like the Italy's of the world where they're eating more. Like you know exactly where your food came from. You could see where your <laughs> your your produce or your beef uh, came from, and you hear about a lot less cases of 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 autoimmune allergies and so forth. So I'm, I was just curious if that was something you noticed. in In terms of the 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 difference exercise can make, like uh, how big of an impact do you see? Would you would you put that in, in terms of uh, impacting behavior? It's huge. Kids need to let – for so many different things. Let's say just to let off steam, but also it's for their development, for their brain development, for – their bodies to grow property for their organs, like for everything they, they, they need it. Um, kids are meant to be outside playing. That's, that's what they're meant to be doing. They're, they're not built to be sitting inside in front of a screen and getting outdoors. The vitamin D is the other big part of that is getting the sunshine in, letting that soak in and the fresh air and all the rest of it is, it's huge. Like if I had kids who were having a really, really tough day, cause I dealt with kids as extreme behavior, like really, really, really challenging behavior. One of the first things I do, like let's get to the playground and run around, go run around three times and then we'll talk, like go burn it off. Let those serotonin levels start flying through your head. Like just, just go and then come back and then we'll have a talk. Like it, it's a natural, like whether you're a kid or an adult exercise is hugely linked to anxiety and stress and feelings of irritability and and all the rest of it because we're not producing the hormones that we need to be producing to be happy. I mean, I certainly have seen it firsthand with my kids. They're grumpy. They're they're being agitated. I'm like, get outside and do some push-ups. Do some. Yeah. Do some burpees, guys. <laughs> we're going outside. We're doing some burpees. Let's go. Let's take the dog for a walk around the block. Three minutes. 
And then the funny thing is, once they're out there, sometimes they they don't want to come back too. But I I definitely have noticed in terms of their mood, in terms of their focus, getting them outside, getting them moving is is so important. And as you said, Gianna, like as adults, this is something that that to me is a clear, uh, uh, so that you see clearly as well. You've also touched on on screen time. And I, I just want to reinforce that idea as well. You're, you're saying you noticed in, in your community back overseas that there was less, would you say, I don't, it's probably not access to screens. It was just maybe culturally. Are you saying there was less time on screens or, or what would be the, the, what, what you saw or what you noticed was screen time? I would, I would say one thing is in the schools, we were very aware that a lot of kids use screens at home quite a bit. So we really tried to limit it unless it was a real learning experience and tried to do a lot more outdoors that way. But also I feel as a city, London was really set up for kids to be outdoors. It's, it was, it made it easy for parents to, you know, the parks were full, like the, every single park you went to, it'd be the big city parks, the small community parks, everywhere you went, they were full. Culturally, it, it, you do, you get outside. Everybody lives in shoeboxes in London, right? You're not living in some big, huge, luxurious house with a, with a backyard and all the rest of it. Cause it's just, it's not a thing. Um, there, most people are living in, in smaller places. So you go outside, you walk to the, you walk everywhere. Cause again, I was in central London. So you walk everywhere. There's just a culture of being outdoors. You go shop to shop to shop. You don't go to a mall. Um, you know, you might hop on the tube, but even on the tube, you're walking there, you're going up, you're going down. So kids are just seen out a lot more. And again, if you look at Italy, Greece, places like this, kids are out at, parents are having dinner and the kids are in the piazza kicking the football or soccer ball and playing around. And it culturally people are just outdoors a lot more. That community vibe is so enriching. People appreciate having kids around here. I mean, around there, whereas here it kind of feels like you go places, where do you go? I mean, you go to a restaurant where kids have to sit and be quiet. Yeah. The parks aren't as full as they used to be, especially since COVID. You, I walk, mm. I live in Hintonburg. There's, I'm surrounded by parks. They're never full. It, it, it's rare that they're packed with people unless there's an event going on. Um, people just don't tend to have that same pull to be outdoors. They're, they're, we're comfortable in our big houses. I think, I think too, like this is where I think the schools could be, play a factor like i i had a, a, a neighbor Gemma. she went to to overseas she's doing a year in france I, I forget what drove that but the kids are in france right now and she was telling me like one of the days of the week the kids it's like it's sport and outdoorness like like and when I heard that, I was like, wow, man. Like, if my boys got the chance to be outside and involved in sports for a full day, one day a week, could you imagine that impact? And I, I do think if they're, they're accustomed to it, they're exposed to it, that's going to be more their go-to than always grabbing the controller and wanting to play Fortnite or grabbing the iPad or device to – don't even get me started on Fortnite. That was one of the worst calls in our house that we did. It's like, oh, the boys, they deserve it. We'll give them uh, access to Fortnite. And now it's every fight ever. It was regarding Fortnite. But yeah, they, I, I do wonder if they, 
if we create that for our, our kids, whether it is through schools or whatnot, like that becomes a muscle that becomes a go-to for them. Absolutely. Especially if you were seeing that. Absolutely. And in London, we also had four schools. So some kids that really could like struggle, they learned pretty much their entire curriculum outdoors. So you have these boys with ADHD or hyperactive or behavioral challenges or whatever it is. They literally, you can teach everything outside. We used to have math lessons outside. We used to, and we would, you know, we would hide different numbers around the yard and they'd have to bring them all to the middle. Then we put them on the ground and yell it with the answers together. And you can, you just got to be creative. You can't be, I'm going to be careful of my choice of words. I don't want to say, I'm going to say lazy, but that's not the appropriate word. Cause it's not lazy. It's just, it's being confident enough to think outside the box with these kids and know that it's okay not to teach in a classroom. It's the only thing in the world that hasn't developed in the past like hundred years where our classrooms look the same as they did a hundred years ago. Like it's, it's crazy to think that we have, we've developed it. Healthcare, we've developed it. Everything else, but education is they sit at a desk and listen to your teacher and it, it doesn't work. Like it needs to develop with the kids. Um, but having more outdoor time and having more physical time, it is, they produce so much more. People are like, but we don't have enough time to put it in, but we have all these other things that we need to access in the curriculum. We need to teach in the curriculum. So yeah, but you're going to teach an, take an hour teaching it, which they're going to get half an hour of because they're not focused at all. Whereas if they went and ran outside or this was outdoors or it was super interesting and you had a fun way of doing it, you're going to get that full hour of attention from them. So it's just about where you place place your time. I think I told you at the boxing gym, one of my favorite lessons, like one of my teachers, she's one of the best teachers ever. She was so passionate and she was teaching science lesson on gravity. And I walked in the classroom and she was standing on a desk. She had a balloon rubbing it on her head. She was dropping something off the side of the desk. I just looked at her as a principal. I was like, you go girl. (laughs) I turned around and walked back (laughs) out because the kids are just staring at her. Like it's fun. Like make education fun. It's torture for these kids that, you know, are so sedentary all the time to sit there. They have no attention span. So expect them to listen for the hour is you're, you're asking for something that's, that's impossible. So I think integrating more physical time and outdoor time in the day is going to give us more time in the classroom without question. Your point, I can't forget this point about we haven't changed the model in forever in terms of education and we there isn't as much outside the box approaches and really and i'm raising three sons and i had a a a colleague or a friend mention really the environment is not really harmonious for young boys it's it's more the opposite, right? Because you got to, as you mentioned, sit and listen for an hour, and don't before you get me canceled. It's not saying girls aren't can can't be the same way as the boys, but it's just it's just a tendency that we see. But why aren't we pivoting? Why aren't we 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 thinking outside the box? Like this was a big driver. Uh, I just released a book recently on uh, on leadership, but it. The, the lack of of thinking outside the box, especially in the medical field, I find is can be discouraging. But I, 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 
I don't know. Like, I think this is the time where we need innovation when it comes to education. Like, not only on how we educate so that we can reach more of our, reach more kids. And as you mentioned, I love the way you framed that, like help them to reach their their full potential. But the landscape is also changing with the AI these days, like where, like, you know, it's a different baby now, like, Hey, write this paper on the, you can, on, on, I don't know, Macbeth and this perspective. Kids are just throwing that into ChatGPT, I'd imagine. Like, like we really need to think about how we're going to get the, reach the most potential out of our kids. So this is to me the time collectively. I don't know who's in charge or what, but this is the time, in my opinion, outside the box thinking. How do we engage the kids in the best way possible to reach their maximum potential. You know what I feel like we've moved away from a lot in this city? Everything's become so serious. And (laughs) like, just have more fun. Have more fun with things. The more you you do that, the more you don't even realize that there's this new way of teaching something or doing something, or the kids bring you tons of ideas. You start watching the kids and see what they're interested in. Then you take their interests and you build the curriculum into that. You know, they're really into sand and water. It feels like in this kindergarten class this week, guess what? I'm going to throw a bunch of numbers in that sand and I'm going to put a board up behind and we're going to throw, we're going to, you know, take them out of the sand, put them up there, find an answer, like just have more fun. I don't know when, I don't know if it was during COVID or what happened, but everybody just seems to be very serious and very red taped and very boxed. I just think everybody needs to, like the teachers, teachers' lives have been hard. We, we know that. I know that as an ex-teacher has not been an easy situation what they have been dealing with. Like they would probably also have, like just have more fun. And I don't know if it's principals. I don't know if it's the board of education that say that things always have to be a certain way. We had a lot of freedom in the UK. We were allowed to play around with the curriculum as long as we met ministry standards. Um, and we just, we did, we had a lot of fun and the kids loved it. I, I honestly, I think it's beyond education. I've noticed the exact same thing. Everything has been dampened. We are laughing less. We are yes. less ridiculous. We are, there was, I mean, there was this a bit of the cancel culture. You can't say this, can't say that. I think that uh, has yeah. been a, uh, played into this. I think when uh, I think COVID for sure, all of a sudden we became more dichotomous in thinking, and also dichotomous in like who, who's a good guy, who's a bad guy. You're either with us or you're you're against us, and. I do think that kind of played into a lot of our psyche. I, I mean, I could speak in a personal level, just dealing with all the stuff we did throughout the pandemic, whether it was advocacy or seeing what we saw front lines. I, it changed me. Like, I, you don't know me yet, but I'm ridiculous. Like, I am, <laughs> like, I'm absolutely ridiculous. Like, I'll. That's you know, an amazing <laughs> quality. We need more of that. <laughs> but yeah, we, it, it, but it, it's a nice reminder what you're saying, Gianna, about how adding fun. Adding things, approaches that bring joy can be so much more impactful. Like this, I mean, what a great way to learn when you're, you're having fun, when you, this is, this is, this is it, right? Like, and what I like what you're saying is if you're thinking creative, creatively, even, even 
a little bit, you could still teach what's on the curriculum. You could still, you know, teach the kids to read, to to do arithmetic, to think critically, all these things you could still do and have fun at the same time. I, I think you're, you're, you're nailing it there. And like, we take them out in the community. Like we go and have a math lesson at the grocery store. Like, let's go to a grocery store and get this stuff. You know, we would take them to a diner and let them order and work out the money and get the change. And like, I know that's more of a, a special need, but it would be often, but like you're getting them, get in the community, let people see the kids that them. Everything's just so compartmentalized. Like I feel like we need to start bringing all that stuff together where we're all helping each other and we're all understanding each other more. And the, the other big thing I find in the schools is that we tend to focus on the weaknesses. So if we have a kid who's really good in English, but really struggles in math, what do we do? We focus on the math. And that never made sense to me. It's like, if they're so good in English, let's build that English up so strong that they go into a field that English is there, still work on the math. I mean, math isn't their thing. But what we do is we ignore the English because we feel like they're good at it and we just drill them on the weakness. And I think that's another aspect into that whole like happiness vibe because then the kids are learning to always focus on the things that they're not good at instead of the things that they, instead of really like excelling them at the things that they are strong at. That, that always seemed backwards to me. Yeah, like build on their, their strengths and build the confidence. And I think what, in my humble opinion, when you build confidence and like genuine confidence, not just saying you are awesome, but they learn that they can do what what's in front of them. It, it translates into other areas. Like, yeah, you might be weak in, you might be great in English, but weak in math, but you just wrote this excellent paper on, on Shakespeare or whatever it might be. If you're that talented there, or if you got that, that effort that you were able to do and, and, and deliver on, on that project there, maybe some of that confidence will trickle when you're doing those math problems that you, quote unquote, you're struggling with. Maybe you, you realize that you are brighter you are you do have more capacity than you you thought you did and just build on that and and build the confidence and and as you said let them reach their maximal potential we we intervene too much parenting teaching like we don't often just sit back and let kids do their thing and then see where it takes them and then go that route like we 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 it, i feel like we yeah, intervene is probably the best word. Like you in- interrupt. Yeah. That's right. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. You, you interrupt their thought processes sometimes. Uh, they might be on this this roads where we feel like we have such an agenda that if we just slowed down a bit and kind of took a minute to not interrupt. They, they're brilliant. Kids are so smart, but we we don't access it in in a way that we could. And it even goes into emotional well being. We are trying to distract our the, a child sad. Oh my god, they need to stop being sad. Give them the iPad. Give them a popsicle. Give them just don't let them be sad. But that's part of life. You're you're going to be sad. So you, you reassure them. You make them safe. But you also tell them it's okay. Go and be sad. Go sit on this big comfy couch. Cry for a bit. When you're all done, come over. Join us, and we'll continue doing what we're doing. We we interrupt so much childhood. Like I, I don't know if I'm putting that properly, but I just think no. You're definitely you're definitely nailing that. It's like even, I mean, even it's the era helicopter era. Like <laughs> I I still am shocked at these parents that are hovering over their kids <laughs> when they're doing the, these like 
not even scary activities. And I mean, maybe it's because uh, I got three sons that I'm dealing with that if you if we helicoptered them, we would be in a psych ward right now. But <laughs> are you jumping off that building? Okay. Um, but yeah, like you're actually nailing this. We don't let them sweat. We don't let them develop a resilience muscle because we're always on top of like let them struggle let them figure it out i i saw this with my with one of my son's teachers like i'm gonna give a shout out to madame bird and company over at broadview i was i was went on a field trip at the end of the year last year and that that teacher group when they were kids were struggling with something she's like hey guys we are problem solvers right like uh, and encourage them to try and work it out instead of coming in and just fixing whatever needed to be fixed. i can't remember the details of what was going on but when i saw that i was like it gave me so much faith that we could we could, whatever's going on right now in education we could overcome this with with teachers with that have that approach that have that message. It was so beautiful to see. I actually did a post on that afterwards uh, to express how important I thought that was because, what, in my opinion, like one of the, one of the most important lessons I want my kids to come to to leave their educational journey with is how to critically think, like not just. Not just like yes. memorize shit, like like in this new age with AI, like there's, you're gonna not have to know anything for well, not I'm being extreme, like you're not gonna like you have all this information at your fingertips. How do you process it? How do you how do you sift through all the information and know what's reliable? How to think? We don't teach people how to think, and to me, which is like. I don't know. It's so fundamental. I don't know if I was taught how to think either, but. I think back in the day, our parents didn't have as much time to intervene or interrupt. And they just, mm -hmm. they, they did it. And not saying that parents have more time now because they don't. I mean, parents have a lot on their plates now, but they're just using their time differently. Whereas we were Mm. go outside. And if something happened, your parent, you had to figure it out. You had to problem solve. You had to find Mm. solutions with your friends, with your brothers, your sisters, whoever was around. And, Though that is so important. Like if, if you're never made to feel uncomfortable, you're never going to develop. You have to be uncomfortable to develop. Mm. And we and it, don't allow sorry, it. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, that's it. Just that we don't allow it enough. Yeah. And in those opportunities too, because you touched on community and socialization, you develop that emotional intelligence too. You 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 re, you read that face. Yeah. You, you know, Lisa was saying, oh, I wasn't hurt by it, but her face was saying, is showing you another thing. And then you see her cry two minutes later. That's all of a sudden part of your muscle memory and, and, and your, part of your intelligence uh, quotient saying like you, you're learning how to read a room. You're learning how to read people, their body language, all those aspects of life that if you're, in my humble opinion, if you want to be successful, it's just as important as IQ, you know, having that emotional intelligence and exposure, meeting kids, socialization, disappointment, disappointment, not having someone tell you the answers all the time 
is all ways that you develop it. And so, yeah, I think, I think uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of value in letting kids be kids and us taking a step back. And, and I think like parents need to hear that because I think parents are so well-intentioned. They feel guilty standing back because they feel like they should be parenting all the time. And they think they put so much, I, I do a lot of parent coaching. Like they put so much pressure on themselves. I've just come home from my full-time job and I've done this, I've done that, and then I have to do this. And, and, and I get it, but I said, but it's okay to let them just be, it, you're not being a bad parent to let them figure some things out or to play on their own or to not entertain them. Like we entertain our kids a lot. They're never, and I, I had read a few studies on boredom and how the lack of boredom in kids is suffocating creativity because oh. they're never bored. When are kids ever bored? Exactly. They, they're they're entertained nonstop. You're on a plane, you're on, or you're on a car ride. Like when we were kids, you had to like sing or some shit. You're most, <laughs> uh, you had to like, uh, you know, <laughs> you, there was, there was concern. Like there was, there wasn't always something to do. And I look back at my, my child, you would, you make up games. You would, you would use that part of your brain. Yeah. Exercise that creativity muscle, which once again, is is so valuable, and in my opinion, something we need more of right now. Some creative courage to come up with some creative solutions. Um, listen, we're at the tail end here, and I wholeheartedly enjoyed this conversation. Like this is there's so much gold in this bad boy, and people are going to be talking about this convo. I, I promise you that. But what what's a a final message, Gianna, that you wanna? Maybe make gift to parents, gift to educators, or or if it's easier to frame it another way, what would you like to see change in our in our education for our youth? Well, I need a whole other podcast to answer that now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, as I'm asking the question, I'm like, man, I'm dropping a bomb here. But uh, I, th- I think if I were to sum it all up into something really short and sweet, it was that is it kids only get one childhood, and mm. we got to fight harder for it. You know, you, you never get to go back to being six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, and they need to just be kids. And there needs yeah. to be a lot more happiness and ease brought back. And the adults need to be the adults and the protectors and the providers of the kids. And the kids need to be kids. And I think that's mm. that, that that's a big a big part of it. I, I love it. I love it. I mean, I think when I when I look back at some of the advocacy we were doing during the pandemic that was the exact anthem it was like let our kids be kids let them be kids again let them shine and we got unfortunately or fortunately we are in a good spot now and i think clearer heads have prevailed and despite or you know people talking about oh it's respiratory season and you know some people are still talking about bringing back masks and all this stuff i think are people see the light they they see the need for kids to be kids and i am confident we're not going to go back to anything similar to what we've done in the past Uh, there'll be a lot more fight than you're looking at one of the guys that would be (laughs) stepping up and 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 it's also just trying to remember in these times that behavior is communication and that's the other thing as well i don't believe in bad kids i don't believe in kids waking up in the morning wanting to be difficult 
So trying to remember that too. stop and look at what they're really, really trying to communicate in those in those tough times in those situations that hopefully we don't run up against too tough this winter. What is the need? I love it. I love it. And so how do people learn more about you, Gianna? Um, well, I have my own website, which is just my name, JanaKalitza.com. Um, and then I'm also an associate of Emerging Minds in Hintonburg. So you can find me at either one of those places. I also have my Instagram tag, which is also just Gianna Kalitza. Keep it simple. <laughs> and um, yeah, find me, reach out to me. You can, I can help where I can. As you can imagine, mental health, wait lists are long and there's a big need out there. But I'm, I'm want to get, I need to get back out there more socially and at least give some tips that parents can access at, at ease because they have a tough job right now. Amen. Thank you so much for this i know like i said this is gonna be gold people gonna be talking about this for (laughs) for for decades how we we start to change the boogie with one conversation i hope so let's change it i love it thanks so much for doing this no worries thank you so much again for having me thanks so much for listening folks that episode was balling with gianna kaliza behavioral consultant overall amazing educator Make sure to check out Unapologetic Leadership, number one bestseller, folks. Thanks for all the support. Y'all are balling. Peace.